Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Revelation 9. Let's remember where we started the book of Revelation with this vision that the Apostle John has of Jesus. And let's remember that we talked about how we need so desperately a higher view of Jesus. And hopefully, especially through chapter 1 and the other things that we've seen, I think especially of chapter 5, worthy is the lamb who was slain, hopefully these things have elevated your view of Jesus. Another thing we're going to see throughout the book of Revelation is really the evil of sin. And some of this goes together. The more we see the brilliance and the beauty of Christ, the more we see the ugliness of sin. And another thing we'll see is the power of sin. Not only is sin ugly and worthy of a destructive end, it is also very powerful. It's very blinding. It's very hardening. And we talked about this a little bit at the end of chapter 6, where Instead of repenting, people are trying to hide from the wrath of the Lamb. We're going to see something very similar and even more straightforward here in chapter 9, where we read two uh, intense plagues, see things that, that boggle our minds, honestly, and baffle our imaginations just to try to describe what, what John is, or try to imagine what John describes here in this chapter. And we see at the end the hardness of sin. And and I hope that leads to some practical application for us as we think about this. But Revelation 9 basically tells um, of the fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet. Now, chapter 8 ended with this angel flying, or eagle rather, flying overhead and crying out, whoa, 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 to those who dwell on the earth. And, And these are the first two woes. These uh, plagues that come with these trumpet judgments are uh, horrendous, right? They are rightly described with woe. And so what can we learn from these? One note just to make, if you look at the first verse, it says, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Now, in this case, it seems very clear that this star represents someone. Now, is this Satan? Is this a fallen angel? Is it an angel sent by God to do his his bidding? Um, A lot of discussion about that. But it's one thing that maybe should just cause us to pause and, and to remember something. There is a lot of debate about the book of Revelation. And what we have said is we want to let the Bible speak for itself, and we want language to play by the rules. We don't want to take language and just invent our own rules for it, and just we get to decide whatever we think it symbolizes. No, what is God's intended meaning? And this is where I think we have to admit there are some complexities to that. We want to understand the Bible literally, except there's times where literally the Bible is meant to be understood symbolically, and the context will make that clear. Now, when we look at things like stars in Revelation, sometimes it does, in my opinion, seem to be referring to actual, well, 
stars or or things like that, objects in the, the sky. And other times it's clearly referring to uh, like this someone, or we saw back in chapter one, it's referring to the angels of the seven churches. And it should just be a reminder, there are some legitimate textual um, intricacies in the book of Revelation. So even as we discuss these things and there are differences of opinion, I think it's good for us to be charitable towards one another as we are trying hard to be faithful to God's word. I think this is a good place for us to remember that. Now, we have to always remember there can only be one right meaning that matches up with what God intended. And that's what we want to labor to discover. Just because there's some level of disagreement about revelation and we should have a measure of understanding for that does not mean that we just become agnostic and throw up our hands and say, well, no one can really know what revelation is is saying. And even though there's debates among pre-millennials versus amillennials versus post-millennials. We don't want to be those people who just say, well, I'm a pan-millennial and I just know it'll all pan out in the end. No, we should labor to understand the Bible and what it means. So just a little reminder for us there here in chapter 9. But let's look at these trumpets, this fifth trumpet. When the star falls uh, from heaven to earth, it opens this bottomless pit and out come locusts, it describes. But these are not like any locusts the world have has ever seen. And these locusts, they're not coming for the green things of earth and plants and grass like other locusts would. They are coming to inflict pain on those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Verse 5, they were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. I mean, this sounds like incredible pain that is inflicted here. And then we see the the description of these locusts and all the details there in verse uh, 7 through 11. And it talks about they have tails in verse 10 and stings like scorpions and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. In the Greek, he is called Apollyon. So there is this uh, figure that is leading these locusts, and they are here to inflict pain, pain that will cause people to want to die, but death will flee from them. And that's just the first woe. The next woe, we move from pain to death. The sixth angel blows his trumpet, and there's a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. And it talks about the troops, uh, apparently that these angels command. And it talks about those who rode them. They wore breastplates of color of fire and sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. And then it says their tails were like serpents with heads and by means of them they wound. 
And it said there that they are to kill a third of mankind. And we've already seen massive death and destruction. So likely by this point of this time of great tribulation, half of the world is now dead. This is carnage. This is destruction unlike anything the world has ever seen. And obviously, there's a lot of mystery to this for us. We look at these descriptions. It doesn't match up neatly with any known phenomenon. And that's where I think these things will be unique. They will be different. But we get to some interesting things that are said at the end of the chapter. And that's where I think most of the application for us today is going to come. So, We see the pain of these scorpions that are released from the bottomless pit. We see the death that is brought from these four angels and these troops uh, that come uh, apparently at their command. And in verse 20, it says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Guys, this is what I want you to see. Look at how hard sin makes people's hearts. We see the fifth plague, the fifth trumpet. We see the sixth trumpet. Yet even after all of that, people will not repent. People will still worship idols, things that cannot see or hear or walk. These people are so trapped in their sin. Sin has so hardened their hearts that they will believe something that cannot help them, even in the face of the incredible destruction that only God can bring. That is powerful. I I don't think there's many places in scripture we see the power of sin to harden people against what is so obvious like we do here in this passage. And so that has some ramifications for us as, as we consider this. One verse that comes to mind as I think of this chapter and what we see there at the end is Hebrews 3 verse 12 which says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Man, what is an evil, unbelieving heart if it's not what we see here at the end of Revelation 9? Hebrews 3.13 then says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Look how deceived these people are. That's why we need to be exhorting one another every day so that our hearts will not get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, to reject God and to hold on even tenaciously to the world and to false things and idols instead of clinging to God. And so the practical application of this, I think first and foremost includes you need to repent. Like we've already said with Revelation, you need to repent before it is too late. And you need to not deceive yourself into thinking, well, I can repent later and do not let sin harden your heart. Repent today. Find grace today. But for many of us, I hope this is an encouragement to us that there will be people who 
as far as we can tell from our human perspective, they'll, to us, look like Christians, talk like Christians. We may even feel like this person's my brother or this person is my sister, and they will fall away from the faith. And they will, as Hebrews reminds us, because of the deceitfulness of sin and that they were hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So I want to encourage you, exhort one another every day so that we don't fall into that trap and the hardening of sin that is so powerful. It can cause people to see all of these things foretold by the book of Revelation and still hold on to their idols. Revelation teaches us that Jesus is greater than we can imagine. It also shows us how sin is more destructive and more deceptive than we often realize. But we have been warned. Let's heed that for ourselves and encourage and exhort one another every day. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.